You know, uh, probably a year and a half, maybe two years ago now, we as a leadership team just started to evaluate and look at the legitimate sense that something in the church needs an adjustment. There, there's, there are many people today that are looking at church in general and saying, you know, I'm not sure what's supposed to be, but it doesn't seem like that's what really ought to be. And how many of you believe followers of Jesus should have an expression of their lives that look a lot like his? And so we're not interested in just trying to rally people to attendance. We really want to make disciples. Our objective is not just to give inspirational messages with fascinating points and fascinating illustrations. You know, that, that perhaps helps people fall in love with speakers. But as a team, as an eldership, we don't want you to fall in love with speakers. We want you to fall in love with the Savior. That's our objective here. So what I want to do is not just inspire, but I want to empower and so what we're walking through is looking at where Jesus is in all these Old Testament books of Scripture. My hope today is that every one of us will leave the room with a, a, never thinking of the book of Joshua the same ever again. We're going to see something very unique as I'm reading this and looking at it, uh, the way we're studying and, and bringing it about. It, it's, it's really awakening and igniting something in me as a Christian as well as a pastor. And so it's interesting, the basis of where we're driving right now is a conversation Jesus had in John chapter 5. And I want to point back to that. Here's Jesus having a conversation with all these Pharisees, and he makes a statement. Now, this is the beginning of the New Testament, so the New Testament has not been written. We all understand in the New Testament it's all about Jesus. What you might not understand is that everything in the Old Testament is all about Jesus. In fact, Jesus makes the statement in John 5, 39, speaking to these experts in the law, and he says, these scriptures testify about me. In other words, everywhere we look in the Old Testament, it's richly furnished and dimly lit, and Jesus is being revealed in some unique way. And so we are looking at where he is in each book of the Bible and evaluating this progression and today what we're going to do, it just worked out great because of Father's Day, the emphasis of this, but we land on the book of Joshua that's really all about mature faith. And, you know, this is the thing that I want to say to all of you men, particularly here on Father's Day, all of you guys. There's no greater gift you can give your family, your wife, your kids, your friends, no greater gift that you can give your world than to be spiritually mature. And I think it's important that we note something, and I want to just kind of present it this way, because that whole idea of spiritual maturity can be intimidating. Because in all honesty, there are times Tracy, uh, you know, she'll hear the Lord on something well before I will. Can any of, you any of you guys relate to this? It's like she's ultra sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and uh, I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader here, but I'm not necessarily the most spiritual person. And, uh, and I thought about this when I first came, like 25 years ago, when I came here to work with the Christian school that we have, and, and I was supposed to, part of my role as the principal was to go in and evaluate teachers. And I'll never forget going into a classroom with a teacher who had been teaching more years than I had been alive. And then I was supposed to do a, an evaluation. And I sat down in the office, and I was talking with this teacher, and I, and I just started out this way. I, under, I mean, I, just, I stated the obvious. I understand that you've been teaching for more years than I have been alive. Part of my duty is to do teacher evaluations, and I would really appreciate your help. The conversation went something like this. I would really appreciate your help 
as I share a few of my observations, that you can help me know what to look for, and maybe we can partner in this, and, and I could be better as a result. What I was saying was, this is what I'm supposed to do in leadership, but I don't necessarily think I'm smarter than anybody. And that's the point I want to make in terms of you guys. Because I, I, there's something important about men, and if you're single, then you're preparing for a place you're going. If you're a single mom, hats off to you. Double duty. Congratulations for being, uh, you know, staying in there with all the stamina required. I don't know how single parents do it. Why don't we just take a moment and say to our single moms in the room, congratulations, God bless. May the grace of God be on you. Come on, let's celebrate our single moms. I want to just encourage you guys, whether you feel like you're the most spiritual person or not, you don't have to be the most spiritual person to be the spiritual leader. And so when we do like prayer in our home, it doesn't look like prayer in the church. In fact, the idea I just gave you would be a good uh, suggestion for you. Hey guys, I don't really know how to lead prayer in a home, but I want to initiate that. I mean, what are you doing? You're being a spiritual leader and you're inviting help and input. And so our prayer at home is sometimes kind of, uh, you know, awkward and cumbersome and and it's not real, you know, like here we're pretty well organized with trying to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish, A to Z, and allow the Lord to have any desire, you know, any move he wants to in the midst of it. But at home it's just very different. And so I want to encourage you to step it up in that regard, and let's really declare over our families we're going to grow forward in our call from God Almighty. Now, this is interesting in the book of Joshua because the name Joshua literally means Yahweh saves. And we see Jesus revealed in Joshua in an amazing way because Joshua takes the Israelites, after much preparation and spiritual development, takes them into a greater place of promise. How many of you know Jesus is trying to take us into a greater place of promise? Okay, even what I'm saying, initiating prayer, I encouraged families once. I said, everybody have communion this week. I had one family come to me after that, and they said, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, it was profound. But a close second was when I led my family in communion, and we talked about the broken body and shed blood actually in home, in our home. And that's what I'm trying to provoke you to, that we would all grow forward in the call of God in all of our lives. And and we would uh, set that example as Joshua declared. Let's take all of our family, take everybody around us to deeper places of promise. So this book begins with a nation of Israel standing on the banks of the, of the river Jordan. And, and by the way, the river is at flood stage. And on the other side of the river, there's a city there. Anybody know the name of that city? The first city that they're going to conquer in the promised land. It's called Great Big Walls. Jericho, right. And so uh, here they are facing impossible circumstances to get across the water. And even if they get across the water, they're facing impossible circumstances with a city that they're going to conquer. And so it's interesting to evaluate this. And we see this is the second time that they have passed through water, right? And the first time they passed through water was when they came out of Egypt. And it was a very different experience where Moses raised his rod and the waters parted. They're just complaining and whining. You remember the story? They're just standing there like, the water's in front of us. 
people are coming up behind us. They're going to kill us. And, and all they were were slaves. They had been enslaved in Egypt. They hadn't been given the Ten Commandments. They hadn't been established in the Word. They hadn't been given any directives of how to worship. They hadn't been taught anything about the tabernacle. They hadn't been taught anything about the power of the presence of God. They had not had a visitation from God who showed up and said, I will be your God and you will be my people and you will be established in the earth. But this is very different because now they're standing here facing this river and all that has happened. God brought them out to establish them because he was taking them into a great place of promise. And this is where we pick up in Joshua chapter 3, verse 14 to 16. The priests, this is how they went across the water. The priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from the upstream stopped flowing. So realize the first time Moses raises his hand and they're complaining and whining and they go across because Moses makes a declaration before God, he intercedes, he prays, and they get there because of somebody else. The second time, they're involved in the process. And what did it say? It says they were carrying art, walking toward the water, the river at flood stage, and when they get to the edge of the water, I, I suppose in my, in my own thinking, I suppose they got to the edge of the water, and as they were about to step into the water, I believe once they took the step and got off balance, it's like no turning back, I believe the water just edged back and they went all the way across. Think about the experience and what this required of their faith. It was not like when Moses, mighty man of God, Moses made the way for them. But now you've heard from God. You are God's people. He is your God. Charge. We are going into the promised land. We are no longer going to just dwell in the wilderness we are going to go in and take control of what God has told us we are to go in and take control of. I'm calling you today to go in and take control in areas of your life that you need to take control of, to declare his word to circumstances and situations that look like a river at flood stage and it looks impossible. Stop whining, stop complaining, start declaring, let's go. You and I are called by God to make a difference. Come on, just shout and declare. We're going there. So here they are crossing the water, and they're, they're, this is all taking place in an amazing way. And let me just point something out. When they came out of Egypt, they passed through the water, and everything that had contained them, everything that had confined them, how many of you know your daddy's past tries to show up in your future? How many of you know that's true? There are generational curses. In fact, you go to the doctor, and the doctor's going to talk to you about this. They're going to talk to you from a medical standpoint. Did your daddy have this? Did your, daddy, did your mom have that? Is there anything in the background here? And I just say, come on, let's rise up and break this stuff in Jesus' name, physically, spiritually, emotionally, in every way. And so coming out of the bondage of Egypt... Everything that had held their daddy and their daddy's daddy captive chased them down into the water, but they went on through the water, and that which had held them captive was destroyed in the water. It's a declaration of God's judgment. And when God served notice on ungodliness and wickedness in the earth, he flooded the earth with water. Water is very significant in a declaration of God's wrath. And so I believe that salvation, and I, I just want to challenge everybody's thinking in this, I believe salvation should be followed by water baptism, not just as a ceremonial expression. 
But I believe it's a declaration that we are going to break those bondages that have held previous generations captive. And when I go under that water and I come up identifying with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, everything that held everybody captive before me stays in the water and I'm going on to greater places of promise. And if you've not done that, then you need to do that. And if you've done that before and you didn't understand it, then perhaps now is the River Jordan for you. Maybe it's time for you to go into another level of God's promise for your life. And that's exactly what's happening here as we go into the book of Joshua. And one week from today, we are going to have water baptism. One week from today, you see the cards all on your chairs? Pick all those up. Take someone with you. Next week, listen, there are some people you're in relationship with. If you invite them to church, they're going to say, no thanks, not into organized religion. They don't realize neither are we. We're trying to sort through all of that and how that's to be reconciled because we're actually not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So we're trying to figure out how that's supposed to work and partnering together in that process. But they might not go because it's a church service. But if you invite them and say, we're doing a fireworks event next Sunday, and we are, Food trucks are going to roll in here next Sunday afternoon. About 6.30, everything's going to be hopping. There will be thousands of people from our community every year. They converge on our campus last Sunday of June. It's our 4th of July. Fireworks, they'll be shot off in the football field area. We'll all be out here ooing and aahing, and it'll be a great time together as we, as we just celebrate. But the thing is, in the middle of all of that, we're going to do this water baptism focus. That means people who don't necessarily come to church are going to see those that are on our baptism list getting baptized in water, declaring, I'm serving Jesus Christ with my life, and it's going to be a great declaration in our community as it is every single year. So if you have not been baptized like that, or you've not understood that before, then take a moment. You see the merge card in the seat back in front of you? Very important card. Take that, fill that out, and, uh, and drop it in our offering, and we'll get you on that list and be in touch with you. If you're on the front row, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to be baptized because there's no card in front of you. Just reach behind you. So, my question today, do you have a mature faith? Not all of us, just you. Just individually, you. I want you to think about that question. Do you have a mature faith? And when we see the comparison of these two perspectives, you got total slaves coming out of bondage. How many of you know that's where we were, right? When you gave your life to Christ, if you became a Christian, then you were just totally enslaved to the ways of the world. And then it's like you're just all of a sudden meet Christ. And, and all you know to do is just act like you've been acting, but now there's deliverance in your life. And so you stand there and you look at the water and you complain. Or are you a more mature faith? Are you a mature faith that says there may be water, but I refuse to allow the circumstance. There may be opposition. I don't know what difficulty is going on in your life. Whatever it is, that's what it speaks of. There may be a situation that I'm looking at that appears to be keeping me from all God's called me to, but I refuse to allow that thing to dictate to me what I will and will not do. And I will walk into the water, and if I perish in the water, I'll be with him. Either way, I'm going to move forward because all God has in store for me and all God has in store for my children and all God has in store for generations after after my children that I am responsible for, I rise up and take that responsibility today. How about you? Do you have mature faith? Like not faith that's just, you know, it's kind of casual and, and whatever will be, will be. No, 
This faith I'm talking about is almost defiant to circumstances and situations. The doctor's report comes, I'm sorry, but God's word said. The situation, circumstance comes in my life financially, I'm sorry, that circumstance there, but God's word says, and I believe God's word above every, any circumstance that I might ever face. Are you there? Because this is what the book of Joshua is all about, equipping and preparing us to go into greater places of promise. Some people never grow beyond their salvation experience. It's like that's the ultimate. We want to get everybody to pray a prayer, and then we don't teach them anything else, don't really make disciples. But I believe if you stop growing after salvation, there's a lot of heaven on earth we're going to miss in our generation. And I'm just, I'm just sounding the call. I don't understand it all. I don't know how to get there in every element of this, but I am sounding the call. Our mandate, our, our absolute declaration is God has called us to make disciples. And I'm challenging you not to be mere Christians, mere church attenders. I'm challenging you to be true disciples. Let's don't go to church. Let's be the church because we are the church. Let's gather as the church. Let's worship the King, Jesus of the church. And then we'll go out and be commissioned and we will change the world. You are called to change the world. People around you, all morning, I, I've just decided, I'm not just going to casually walk through. All morning, somebody says something, this is going on, Pastor, and I just say, let's pray. I go in a coffee shop, and somebody stops me, and they say, man, we got so much going on, and I say, let's pray. You're at your workplace. If it's conducive, you're able to do it without getting fired. If somebody tells you of a situation, a circumstance, why don't you right then take them? Who believes in prayer? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. There are some things you will not have if you do not pray. And you can take some people with you on this journey. Do you believe? Do you have a mature faith? That's what the book of Joshua is all about. As for me and my house, famous verse of Scripture, isn't it? Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. I'd like to ask if all you men would say it with me. Let's make this declaration. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let's say it with some testosterone oomph this morning. As for me, let's say it together. One, two, three. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You don't have to be the most spiritual person to be the spiritual leader. But step out and make some motion in the right direction, and God will meet you there. You know, I've talked about Lexi's thumb. When Lexi was just a little peanut, she was born prematurely, and we could hold her in a hand, and her feet were here, and her head was here, and uh, it was so wild, and, and we were you know, really touch and go. She couldn't swallow. We had to learn how to use a dropper and, and massage the roof of her mouth that would cause a swallow reflex, and we had to show all the medical professionals we could do that before we could take her home. I mean, it went on and on, on, all kinds of stuff. She had to sleep on a wedge and, and had eight lines coming out of her body, and and I mean, I'm at the hospital all the time. Tracy and I are up there taking turns on rotations, trying to just see her through. And I'm leaving there to come here and preach, to finish the sermon and go there. And, and one Wednesday night, I came here. And when I left church, I drove home to find an ambulance on its way to my house. And I mean, it was just a crazy difficult time. And I was, I was walking and I was praying and I was reading the word and I was declaring over her, you'll live and you will not die. And health will abound in our family. We're the head and not the tail above and not beneath. We're going over. We're not going under. We're going over. And I just was making these bold declarations. And a man from our church showed up at the hospital that day, and he, he came in, and, and I'm, he caught me just reading my Bible. And he said, see, that's what I'm talking about right there. 
Because if I were in this situation, I mean, I would just, that'd just be my reason. I'm busy with my baby. I, I'm, I'm not going to be reading my Bible. And, and he said, you know, you inspire me that way. And I just looked at him and I said, if there's ever a time I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, if there's ever a time I need to be in tune with what God is trying to do around my daughter's life, it's now. If I ever need to be engaged in this battle 110%, it's this moment in time. Do you understand what I'm saying today? But here's the thing, and and let's just understand this. I thank God today my whole family is healthy. I'm thankful that they're healthy. And and when when that was going on, and any time that there's been sickness, there's prayer walking, there's reading the Word, there's laying the hands on them, and bold declarations, there's sometimes anointing with oil, and those things happen in times of sickness. But you know what? Those things happen now in times of health. There's prayer going on, there's Word declaration, we're laying on hands, we're making our bold proclamation that Jesus is Lord, because this is why you don't wait until you get in the middle of the battle before you start training for the fight. We need to train for this is war and you need to understand that this is war. There is heaven, there is hell, there's God and there's a fallen Lucifer and there are this host of of demonic forces that are trying to destroy you. Am I too radical for you today? Let me explain something. Call it radical if you want, it's simply biblical. And I want to get back to biblical Christianity. I want to get back to the place where a group of people like us understand entire cities will change when we rise up in our anointing. Every surrounding atmosphere can change. I feel like I'm being really mean today. I don't like the devil at all. I don't like what he's trying to do in any of our lives. Smith Wigglesworth was a wild character. He used to punch people when he prayed for them. I hadn't gone that far. But they asked him one time, Smith, I mean, crazy radical guy, why do you punch people? And he said, I don't punch people. I punch the devil. They're just in the way. <laughs> I don't know how that works. So maturity, and that's, that's what I want us just to understand. Book of Joshua is all about maturity. Maturity is learning to take steps on our own without requiring somebody else to get us where God wants us to go. You hear it? Maturity is we get there without requiring somebody else to take us where God wants us to go. Are you there? Are you going into a place of promise? Are you facing those places of opposition in an attitude of faith where you're moving beyond the places where you've been to fulfill everything that God's called you to in your life? That's where God wants to take us. Having to be inspired to do what's right is the lowest form of maturity. Did you pass your books down and get your note cards? I think I got so excited I never reminded you to. Hopefully you did. You got your card. Uh, But having to be inspired is the lowest form of maturity. If somebody has to inspire me to do what's right, that's the lowest form of maturity. And I just want to make a a, a statement about this whole uh, aspect. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord and, and all of us make that declaration together. But, but understand this. The kingdom of God is a journey, not a destination. You do realize that. The kingdom of God is a journey, not a destination. I, we are so marketed to, culturally speaking. We are taught 
that if we accomplish this or if we acquire something, then we're going to find happiness and fulfillment. How many of you know if you'll just buy that car they want you to buy, then you'll be happy? If you just get to Disneyland where everybody's smiling and riding rides, man, it's amazing. Have you seen the commercial to Disneyland? Phenomenal. Smiles everywhere. They don't show 110 degrees, sweat dripping down, standing in line for 45 minutes, parking out in double goofy land, having to walk 45 minutes to get to the tram. It's going to take you to the front gate. Do you understand? Everybody wants to tell you this is all you need, and once you get this, then you're going to be fulfilled and happy. But that's not the case. The kingdom of God is a journey, not a destination. It's, a, it's not a place where we conclude. And this is really important when we see this in the book of Joshua, chapter 12. There, there, this chapter shows us 31 kings that Israel conquered. They passed through the river. They conquered Jericho. They wind up conquering Ai after a little hiccup. And they conquer 31 kings. In Joshua chapter 12, we see all 31 of those kings listed. And then I love this because the very next verse, after listing the 30, how many know 31 kings is pretty good? Anybody in here ever beat up on 31 kings before? I mean, 31 kings, that's a lot. And, and it's almost like, wow, that's amazing. You did so great. But listen, it goes on Joshua 13, 1. And this is the declaration right after naming all these kings they killed because it's a journey, not a destination. Joshua 13, 1 says, there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. You have conquered in some areas of your life. How many of you have had some areas in your life that you have conquered? Raise your hand if you have conquered some areas. How many of you still have some large territories that you still need to take over? And this is what you need to understand, and it's your next blank. Your breakthrough isn't your resting place. Your breakthrough means you just picked a fight on a brand new level, and you better take your faith to a brand new level, and you better deepen your walk on a brand new level because the kingdom of God is a journey, not a destination. It's not a place we get to. I've arrived in humility. That's not true. I've arrived in love. That's not true. The kingdom of God is this journey. And the book of Joshua helps us to understand how to take mature, deliberate, and intentional steps to fulfill what God's called us to fulfill. So Joshua 18.3 goes on. Says, so Joshua said to the sons of Israel, how long will you put off entering to take possession of the land? How long? Let me just ask this. Because many of us quickly raised our hand and said, yeah, there are areas that I've not conquered. Let me ask. Let me ask with a voice that's commanding and releasing something and imparting something. For the areas that you look at and you realize you've not yet conquered, how long will you put off conquering these enemies and taking the land? Because Jesus gave you everything you need to utterly press in and conquer any territory that you start to realize is a territory that's before you that he's giving you. How long will we put it off? Because I believe it's time that we sound the charge and make some advancement together. So I've got more sermon to preach, but information's on the blog. And I just feel the Lord impressing me to bring a challenge right now to a decision. So some more information on destinychristian.com, you can go there. But let me just challenge you in something right now. How long will you put off? 
taking position. You know, there's some people in the room, maybe you've not really decided that you're going to follow Jesus with your whole heart. And today, you really need to make a decision. If you're here and you've, you've not decided to serve the Lord, today would be a great time on Father's Day to embrace the Father and start walking with Jesus. Maybe there are others here today and you say, you know, I'm serving the Lord. Salvation's happened. But I really need to engage on another level of the fight. And I just want to ask you to reflect on that as we come to that point right now in our own hearts. So just close your eyes, open your hearts. Lord, stir us. We didn't just come to hear a bunch of preaching, a bunch of singing. We came here to experience an impartation and a deposit out of heaven in our hearts that would cause us to be awakened to the purposes of God that as it was in the days of Joshua, we would be led into a greater place of promise to fulfill everything you've called us to. In Jesus' mighty name. So just between you and God, if you're here and you say, you know, I'm not serving God. I, I need to give my life to Jesus and start this journey with him. If that's where you are, just be honest about that. And let's pray together and agree for that. Just slip up your hand. Anybody here, you say, I don't know Christ and I want to pray to receive Christ and start to walk with him today. Anybody at all, just slip up your hand. here and you say, I need to engage on another level of the fight. I know God's calling me to another level of this battle. I want you to slip up your hand and just hold it there for a moment all across. God is taking us to another level of the fight. So Lord, we acknowledge that you are deepening us as we're on this journey trying to understand what you're revealing in your word. Ultimately, Lord, may we understand the very nature of God that's alive within every one of us created in your image. So we want to respond to a greater level of the fight as we declare your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, you are Lord. You are the Messiah. We need you in our everyday lives that we might serve your purposes, defeat the enemy, defeat darkness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate this King Jesus right now. We acknowledge... Jesus.